Hey, April 14th. Welcome, everyone, to Living Room Sports Talk. Here, McCauley, Zach Rothenberger, Chad Catcherbone. And we got the great Dan Driscoll joining us here in the living room. This is exciting. We finally got another great guest here. This is, you know, uh, you know great. Come on. Come on. Oh, no. We'll embellish, we'll embellish all that stuff. You know, as you get older, the stories get bigger and more embellished as you get older. So there. You're being modest. It's funny. When we were doing our prep for this show, I feel like we're interviewing the Dosecchi's man here. Like the, the, the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks. I've done a lot of stuff. So, yeah. I will per- I'll tell you, to that point, I didn't tell you, I got hit by lightning too a bunch of years ago. So, oh. <laughs> I swear, we're going to learn so much on this. I promise anyone that's watching us right now on Twitch, this is going to be one. This is going to be unbelievable. You're going to learn a lot. This is going to be this is gonna be great stuff. But, but Dan, to that point, right? We've we've there's so many different areas we're going to dive into to tonight. Sure. Uh, but I'll tell you, obviously, I think the common denominator, right, is that sports has had just such a, a lasting impact on your life and has influenced you and in such a great way. So I guess my first kind of generic kind of question to throw at you is, you know, when was that inception, right? Like who got you into sports? What was it like that whole scene that kind of started the love affair? Uh, probably my, my first breath I took, I probably had a football in my hand. See, uh, I'm a twin. So I have a twin brother and then my older brother is 11 months. So Bernie and he, and he's a basketball college basketball coach now Twin brother end up being an all state wrestler. He was half my size. So was, I, I stole all the size and <laughs> he had all the intelligence. Um, but not saying I'm, I wasn't dumb, but I was pretty smart, but anyway, but no, but so, so basically I had a family from my dad and every day we were out doing something. Most of the time, you know, most of the time it was basketball, baseball, you know, we go to the dinner tables, somebody would be bleeding, but that was, just, <laughs> you know, you have three kids, all within a year, um, you know, stuff happens. And what was your what was your sport growing up? Uh, I couldn't shoot basketball. My favorite sport, I'll just say my favorite sport is basketball. Okay. And football, I was a natural uh, football. Coming up, I was, you know, the kid that got you know, running back. And then my twin brother was a quarterback, a small quarterback. So he, he, he would hand it off to me and I would just try to run people over. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so, yeah. So, so uh, if I had to rate that, it'd be basketball, football, and then baseball. And I actually, actually was a very good baseball player too. Catch. I was a catcher. Baseball. Perfect. That's what I was. You know, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I had to make the decision to go play baseball or go play football. And I, I decided to go play football. Mm-hmm. And to that point, so you go off to, to Conestoga High School, and you obviously, when we'll talk about it more in a second, you have an illustrious career on the defensive side of the ball, but you started on the offensive side playing running back. Well, Conestoga back then, we had 120 kids out on the team, so nobody went both ways. Not like it is that you see these kids going both ways. Nobody, you know, we had 120 kids. So, yeah, I was, I was on the offensive side, and I always ask, can I go play defense? Can I go play defense? No, you, you know, we can't get you hurt. You're playing, you're, you're there over there, and you're going to run the ball, and that's that. Okay, so I never, I never was a defensive player until my sophomore year in college when I switched over from running back to linebacker in college. And that's the first time I went over on defense ever. Wow, and how did you how – did, uh, how did that go about? Did you just say, I wanted to hit someone, like put me on defense? and they Well, were that – exactly. What happened was – Every time I get in the open field, I turn around and look for somebody to run over, and the coach got all frustrated at me. I said, "Look, you want to go hit somebody? Go over on defense." So 
that's what happened kind of happened oh there you go <laughs> so so i took the fish to water you know when i when i went over to play linebacker so you were saying so you started actually after conestoga you started at south carolina and then you transferred yeah. to villanova so i guess what uh i guess from start to finish i guess what was what what is it that lured you to villanova and i get like what i guess was that match made in heaven or how that all come well, i i really missed my parents not getting to all my games. I kind of got homesick. Um, I was an engineering student, and the, I'm going down to my freshman year, and I'm taking courses that I took as a sophomore in high school. Conestoga was a tough, you know, tough high school, and you know they and I was in the AP courses, and so I said, you know, this is this is ridiculous, and so I said, boom. I uh, they changed coaches. I didn't like the new coach coming in. Got, so the combination, new coach, homesick, and the the, the classes were ridiculous. So I just tried, I just started coming home, and I and Villanova had an interest in me before when I was in high school, and I really liked Lou Ferry, um, the one guy, uh, the one of the coaches there. I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to come home, and go play for Villanova, and I called them up. And they said, get your butt up. So, yeah, so that that was that's how that. So and did they the originally same. bring you in as a, as a running back then, or was it like you just showed up at practice, like kind of how you were? Well, they had Vince Thompson. I know uh, Vince Thompson ended up playing three or four years. So he was already at fullback. And they said, Dan, you want – he goes, no, nah, I'll go play linebacker. You know, no problem. But what happened was when you you don't have the portal now, you have to sit out a year. So I had to sit out a year. So I was playing scout team. So that whole year, you know, I, I'd go play tight end, back on offense and I run over and play, you know, when there's a defensive time, I run over and play linebacker. So I really got the knack of playing linebacker on the scout team, the, my sit out year. And every Tuesday night that year, we had 10, 10 transfers come in and all of us were on the scout team. We probably had the best scout team in the country going against these guys. And we would sit there and tease them, say, guys, you better enjoy it now because you ain't playing next year. <laughs> You're sitting right here. Oh yeah. So every Tuesday night, it took one hit, one large hit, large hit, and that hit went into a full-blown kill schedule uh, scrimmage. Every Tuesday, every Tuesday of practice, you could almost count on it. That year turned into like that was our game because we I couldn't play Saturdays, and we had eleven of us that really couldn't play Saturdays. So we turned every Tuesday night into a scrimmage. And it's funny, once you finally did play, you, you weren't kidding, right? Those guys probably didn't see the field because you you made every down count once you once you saw the field uh, saw the field in general. I mean, like, so let's I guess there's a lot of different things we can look at just with that Villanova career. Let's start, I guess, with well, first of all, 1977, you're the sports illustrated player of the week. What's that like to, to receive an honor like that? Well, it's like being the sports center guy, uh, being the top guy on sports center back then. If you were sports illustrated, you were the guy for that week. And I happened to be on Sports Illustrated twice that year, um, once uh, against, you know, the college game and then the other one against West Virginia. And uh, those were two big upsets that year. They, that were fun games. And um, so, yeah, it's like being uh, on SportsCenter, the top kind of sports center. if you were the Sports Illustrated Player of the Week in, the, uh, in that back page. So, so, yeah, it was you. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that Boston College upset. Uh, that was at Villanova, correct? 
at Villanova. Score was 22 to 3. See, uh, 15,000 people and 30,000 people were at the game. And all I remember is them opening up the gates and just letting anybody come in because they really wanted to get after Boston College. And the very first hit was a guy named Billy Bell on the opening kickoff. Billy Bell was a backup running back. He was faster than lightning, but the problem he couldn't move laterally. So they would send Billy Bell down to make the and he he would hit you. So he was the, the buster. The, the you know he he'd be the buster on the on the uh, on the on the blocks. So he would buster and he hit the the kid fumbled the ball. This uh, freshman kid named Green. Remember the kid's name Green, and he was he fumbles and he fumbles the ball in the end zone. And Billy nails him, and he barely gets out to the one-yard line. But the hit you had heard a mile away. Back then, <laughs> I was still – I played – I was on the kickoff, and then I'd stay out on the field because you were lying – because we didn't have a lot of a lot of scholarship guys. We had 50 guys. And so a lot of the guys who were starting would be on the kickoff team. So I was on the kickoff next to Billy Bell, and it was one hell of a hit that he put on this kid. Got him on the one-yard line. We – we the very first play of the game, um, we did a blitz, and we got him for a safety, and that just erupted the whole place, and that was the rest of the game. We we were, and I'm I'm talking. I was talking to a the whole game. I'm talking to a guy named Steve Schindler, who was a Conestoga boy, two years older than me, and this was my payback game, because Steve Schindler, uh, when I was a sophomore, he was a senior, and let's just say I got, I got uh, hazed. Almost every day. By <laughs> so you talk about now the hazing stuff going on. I was hazed every day, you know, because I was one of the few guys to start as a sophomore and they didn't like that. So I got hazed every day. You know, they were always doing something to me. So this was my payback to Steve Schindler when I got on this field today and I made him look dumb. He played 10 years in the NFL and I, I was so possessed. I was going to do anything and everything to beat Steve Schindler that day. And Glenny Capriola, I don't remember that name. It was also a Conestoga running back, was the star running back, and they had just got done beating Texas the week before. Uh, they beat Texas 10 to 3, and they were coming to us, and they had Penn State the following week. So you don't think they overlooked us to get the <laughs> and they And we end up beating them 22 to 3. <laughs> That's awesome. And I guess I want to know what's it like when you get that safety and the crowd is exploding? What is that adrenaline rush, especially for? For folks that maybe never played football, like just paint that picture. What's going through your mind? And just, I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? Um, that play, they just missed me. I mean, we had a, they doubled down, they doubled down on um, the nose guard, and how Howie wasn't there yet, so Howie was coming the next year. So uh, Joe Mack, Joe Mack was our nose guard, five foot ten, two hundred forty pounds. They doubled down on him. They, Next thing you know, I'm just full, you know, full sprinting right into the end zone. I'm meeting the kids, you know, this kid three yards deep, didn't even give a chance. Boom, safety. You know, I just I, I was so surprised, like a big eye. What? I'm not expecting to get hit. I didn't get hit. Next thing you know, I, I'm getting I'm getting the, uh, the safety in the end zone, and, every, and everybody just erupted. The crowd's going nuts. Um, you know, there were ten deep on the sideline that game, and then the fans, the stands were full. It was it was totally a nutty game. And, you know, the, back then, Ted Aceto was the athletic director, and he, he used to do a few things. Ted, Ted was a funny guy, and he, uh, he had BC, and he let, the, he let the gates open. Once they sold this thing out, he said, he said, hell with it, I'm leaving the gates open, and everybody just came walking. 
everybody just everybody came in and <laughs> it was nuts it was just total bedlam and uh we just had so much fun that day to a point where schindler like in the third quarter was trying to track me down from behind and tackled me from, from behind <laughs> and he did it right in front of the official he was so frustrated he did it right in front of the official and you know he got holding next thing you know schindler's getting thrown out of the game he was so <laughs> oh he was yelling and screaming at the ref and they threw him out oh it was, it was great it was so, so how, much yeah how much satisfaction you get because that was I'll, I'll kind of merge it with my other question like Right, we talked about it before we jumped on the show, just how rich of an area, you know, just Pennsylvania, just the Northeast really is just for football in general and how those ties, right? Those high school ties, like high school never ends, that's saying, right? Like, in, in, like you well, said, you go off to your colleges and it's it's all still alive and well. Not only that, most of the kids back then were three-sport athletes. So they, we saw each other a whole year playing other sports. And most of the time we were good friends. Um, you know, good competitive friends, but every once in a while, you know, you just, you just don't like somebody, but it's, I didn't like Steve Schindler, you know, cause he was a teammate, but you know, going around to other schools, like you went to Shanahan, downtown, you know, like stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it was not just football. It was football, basketball, baseball, you know, seeing each other on the baseball floor, the basketball floor. And we got to know uh, each other quite well. And I do have some relationships with some of the guys I played against still to this day. And it's just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of relationships, oh, go, Zach, you got one? No, I was just going to say that, you know, going to battle really, uh, you built some strong friendships out of that and a lot of respect. So that's great. Yeah, football runs deep, you know. Yeah, you know, you, you can't be mad at the guy all your life because he played on another team, you know. <laughs> if he was playing on your team, he'd probably be your best friend. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, or, or that guy's. Excuse my friends, that guy's an ass. Yeah, but he's our ass. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> right yeah. We protect that We, we kind of had that too. We, we would have, we play against them in high school, but uh, like we would play with these guys in AAU or even travel ball for baseball um, in the summer. So it was kind of cool like playing against them and then being on their team. Um, so it's just all that plays in with, with, uh, with one another. You know, and it goes into what we might talk about later with the kids nowadays. Um, you know, you grow up and you're competitive, but you're competitive in a fair way. You know, you don't want to hurt anybody like that, but you get to know these guys, you have relationships nowadays, you know, and that's with the three, three sports stuff. Nowadays, um, you know, kids are playing one sport. They're, you know, they're, and they're getting frustrated if they don't make it. You know, we, you know, later on, if we, you know, talk about the college scene, you know, the recruiting and recruiting of these kids, some of the, what these coaches are doing, to these kids making them play one sport. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's so different now. It's just so different. So, so different. And now we, now, you know, hey, is there even going to be football season this year? I mean, with what's going on. So it's, 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 we're in some trying times and, you know, life, you know, we go, hey, life's going to be different from now on. Who, who knows what's going to happen? So it's going to be interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's one thing we wanted to ask was with this pandemic going on right now, do we have an outlook on on youth sports for the fall with football, or we're kind of just up in the air right now? Well, you know, as far as youth football, um, you know, being at Marsh Creek for twenty five years, um, you know, one of the better programs you know in the country. May I add? Because uh, mm -hmm. you know it, it is. 
Um, you know, did you guys know all the players that have come out of Marsh Creek? You know, we've had some good ones. Oh, yeah. Um, the numbers were down. They've been down. And just recently, the numbers started increasing up a little bit um, because of all the things that the NFL, the NCAA, and even high school, you know, uh, making it safer, um, teaching the, the rugby tackle versus hitting with the head, leading with the head. All this stuff is starting to make the game safer. And the NFL, and it is going right down into the Pop Warner and all the stuff, all the training that everybody's being mandated that must happen. You know, you can't get on the field unless you're 100% certified on a lot of this stuff with a with an eight-year-old player. So they are doing a very good job at the Pop Warner level on teaching the certain types of, uh, you know, like the hawk roll tackle, not leading with the head. Um, you know, the blocking schemes, they just changed the blocking scheme up until last, you know, if you're a nine-year-old right now, you don't get into a three-point stance. You don't get into a stance until you're 10. In really? Wow. Yes, it started last year, and I thought it was going to be terrible not seeing a kid in a three-point stance, but it, you know what? It was still football. It was still football. Did I agree with that? No. But I see what they're doing, you know. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I had some real reservations with some rule change, but still football. Does that have to deal with the three-point stance? Does that have to deal with them not getting their head up in time? Correct. Correct. It has, you know, it goes right to the thing of, hey, guys, no more Oklahomas, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Keeping 20 minutes of hitting during, during the week, you know, that type of thing, you know, limit your hitting. Um, so, yeah, so they've done a lot of things to make football safer. And, it, you know, it goes starts right down here at the youth level all the way up to the NFL. And then you hear about the player agreements, you know, about the number of hits, you know, that they're going to allow, how many games they're going to let, you know, whether it's going to be 18, 17, 16, who knows, but they're going to permit a lot of stuff. And all that stuff's being agreed upon right now in the NFL. And it will trickle down. It will definitely trickle down. Who knows what kickoffs are going to look like in the future. Well, did you see the uh, the XFL, their kickoff style? It was style? fun. It was I pretty fun, wasn't it? It was fun. I liked some of this stuff. I kind of liked it, too. Do you think that would have been a good ad like for, and could be a good ad for the game, like things like that, really trying to kind of churn the rules a little bit and try to make it better for player safety like that? Um, you know, think about it. Yeah, let's go for three. You know, after you score a touchdown, hey, we're down, we're down four touchdowns. Who cares if we lose by five touchdowns or ten touchdowns? You know, we got to make this up. So we score. Let's go for three. So go to the 10 yard line, try to get three points. You know, I think that's the rule. And that's the rule. You three points. Yeah. You're at the 10. It was three, two, one. Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, I think that's pretty neat. And I hope the NFL does adopt that. So, but anyway. So, <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny. The one thing we also talked about too, and it's funny because you know, it's a good bridge to, to your playing career and, and what you're seeing now um, with obviously youth sports and everything you've done in the community. But we talked about before the show, you talked about um, the speed. Yes. And just how the speed of the game has changed. So I guess I'm curious, like, how much have you seen that evolve? And I guess starting with, like, your playing days and, you know, right? Like, because, I mean. Well, I'll go back. Uh, yeah, I'll go back to the Boston College uh, game. Boston College that year was the first time any team had averaged 300 pounds across the line. Not Villanova, but Boston College. And they were big. Now, if you're averaged just around 300 pounds, you are small. <laughs> and, and, and so, and at the speed, you know, the training and think, you know, kids, 
a running back back then might have run a four seven. You know, now you're running four fives. You're you're twenty pounds heavier. You know, you know, you know, bark. You know, look at you know, bark. The Penn State. These guys are man. You know, they're manimals. Animals, man. Animals. Yeah. He's squatting like 600 and, pounds. I mean, yeah. And you know what? F equals MA. We were talking about the longevity of football players. You know, bigger, faster, stronger. Careers are going to get shorter. So, so many, all these guys are making millions. Guess what? More power to them. Get it while they can. can. Yeah. yeah. Make as yeah. much money as you can. Get the money from those owners, from those, that TV revenue. Absolutely. Absolutely your career is not going to be long. And I'll tell you, so it's funny you say, I feel like this is a bad way to tease my question for you, Dan, but, and, and real quick, for those of you just joining us here on, on Twitch and Sidetrack, we're joined by Dan Driscoll, who is, like I said, the man who has a million great stories and really just from everything from the sports and the professional uh, sports outlets, everything from uh, the business aspect of everything. So we're, we're going to dive into all that for those of you just jumping on with us. So Dan, it's funny, you mentioned short careers. You have a really unique detail. So first of all, I, mean, I feel horrible. We didn't even mention this until 20 minutes into the interview. How we gotten by 20 minutes without mentioning that you're in the Villanova Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> class of 2002, uh, inductee of 2002, class of 80. Um, yeah. right, but you right, I know what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. Yeah, you got an interesting statistic though. I mean, so you got in there, but it was maybe a little bit of a shorter career. Than, than all right, I did not have my senior year. Okay, so I am pretty much the only player athlete ever to be inducted to Hall of Fame who did not have, you know, have full three years, you know, or my, my senior year. I, I was, I was politely asked to leave after my junior year. And that's when I didn't have any eligibility left. So I had to jump. And that's when I went to Canada and it was just an unfortunate circumstance. You know, you, you live and learn and, you know, you know, I just, I did not have my senior year. I was, after my junior year, I was projected as a third round draft pick. And I did not have a chance to get drafted. And you know what? Hey, it was my fault. You know, there was big 21st birthday party. And little things got out of hand. And, you know, Villanova back then, Catholic school. And if you weren't a basketball player, you know, guess what? See ya. You, you, you're going to be a double major of 3-0 and still get tossed out. Gee, did somebody just say they were a double major 3-0 and still get tossed Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm, not averaging, so? I'm averaging 15 tackles a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and just yeah. beating the third ranked team in, in the country. Well, there's, too, a, there's a trick to that. Here's well, first of all, the trick to getting the number 15 is you always get up the pile last, and you make sure that your number is to the back where this where the press box was. <laughs> that was number 53. Yeah, 53. Driscoll made the tackle. <laughs> oh, that's great. So there's a way to cheat on that. <laughs> well, anyway. so okay, so you maybe your 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 professional career didn't get off to the maybe the start you wanted to, right? So you go to the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, and, and I came back. Ramil gave me a shot, and uh, I played well. Uh, you know, that there and first year, and then I uh, four four seasons, four games into it, I I had issues with my leg. I I developed some uh, tumors in my leg, mm. and uh, I had a good. I, I, I had, to, I had to go in there, and I had the uh, same thing uh, Mark Kurtzley had, the osteosarcoma, and, you know, guess what? When I went under, they said, uh, you might wake up without a leg. I said, okay. I wow. said, do what you got to do. And back then, you didn't have the treatment that, you know, you have nowadays. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, look at, look at another 
good linebacker from Villanova, Kevin Riley, you know, who, you know, lost his, uh, his right arm, you know, cause he had tumors there. And, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, you back then you keep cutting away until you, until you get the zero result. And I was very fortunate. I got it early, but I was never able to play football again. So I went, you know, uh, I, I did go back to Villanova and graduate with two degrees. And so I went and worked for Hewlett Packard and had a good business career. That's great. So what was it like trans like transitioning from Villanova in the United States and then going into Montreal and playing in the Canadian football league? Well, I knew the field, I knew they passed a lot. Mm. Um, I was actually a good pass defender from, as a, from the linebacker spot. So I actually lost some weight. I played at Villanova at about 240. I went up to Canada, like 230 pounds. So I lost 10 pounds, got a little bit faster, mm. uh, quicker. And, you know, I, I learned how to pay, to, uh, you know, play the pass, which was very fortunate because when I came back uh, the year later, you know, I, I had a really, really idea how to be a pass defender. Whereas in college back then, you know, we were, everybody was running the ball. You either ran the veer. They didn't have the spread offense. You either ran the veer, I formation or the good old wishbone. <laughs> Villanova ran back, back days, the Oklahoma ran the wishbone. So, and that was, you know, that's when I was, you know, beefing up, you know, stuffing it up in the middle uh, every play. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, so it, it, it was actually a good progression, learning how to go into Canada, learning how to defend the pass and then coming back down. Did you uh, learn any French while you're up there? No. <laughs> no, who cares? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> who cares? But uh, there's a lot of stories there. I can't. Wait, wait, I got it. Oh, we got it. You know, half hour here. Four, four, uh, no, oh, no, trust me. Hey, that's the best. We're the, we make our own rules so we can keep going. Past, you were saying we can go for hours. We can go for hours. We make the rules. <laughs> that's the best part. See, that's All the best right. part about doing it on a live stream here. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you, let me ask you. So, real quick, one other note I had with Villanova, and this is, is a big one, obviously. We talked about this um, last week when we were chit-chatting a little bit offline, but mm -hmm. um, Howie Long, obviously, had a, a huge career at Villanova. Your mm -hmm. main reason, or a key reason why he went there, do you mind just tell us a little bit about that whole, like, just that story and just your relationship with him and everything, just kind of well, behind that? Yeah, I mean, Howie, his first year, I was a junior, my junior year, Howie was a freshman. Um, uh, him and I hit it off from day one. You know, uh, you know, his recruiting trip and him coming. I really don't want to, you know, him and I have an agreement that I really don't tell too many things publicly about what happened. But let's put it this way. He came to Villanova and we and during the uh, when he when he was being recruited here, I don't think he spent a, a minute on campus. You know, <laughs> so he was, it, was, it was out and about. And uh, so but, but the thing is, when how he uh, came his first year. Uh, he got thrown right into starting and how he, how he never lifted. He came in as a man child, 17, came in Villanova at 17 years of age. He hadn't even turned 18 yet. Six, six, five, six, six, biggest legs you ever want to see. Never lift, never really lifted. 265 solid pounds of pure country muscle. Even though he was a country, uh, city kid, you want to describe somebody as a country bumpkin, but your big old country it was <laughs> and he was fast and uh so you know he, he we took to each other immediately so much so when we did the team pitcher that year the juniors and the, you know the, the head guys you know how they, all the 
top guys sit down in the front row. I sat all the way up back, up up top with Howie and a bunch of the other guys because I didn't care. I was just a team pitcher, and Howie wanted me to sit with him, so I went up there and I sat with him. And that's the type of relationship we had, um, you know, coming up, him getting started at Villanova, and uh, it was just it was just not a lot of fun. Just, uh, but I I will say this: I publicly don't like to talk too many things because Howie Howie was a bigger knucklehead than I was. <laughs> he hadn't met his, his wife. Who knows where he'd be right now. But a lot of, a lot of credit to Diane um, on, on the development of Howard. Is she, did she play a role in getting him into the Fox broadcast studio? <laughs> yeah, she did. Cause uh, one of the things Howie, when he was out with the Raiders, you know how he took acting classes, and Diane was a Diane was a uh, you know she graduated with a law degree. So um, I'm not saying how he listened to everything Diane said, but you know she kind of created that path. You know how he you know do take some acting. You know how how he starred in you know in two or three movies. You know you know Broken Arrow and the uh, the fire that he was the fireman on the one um, Firestorm. So he, okay. Actually, pretty good movies. If you go back and do Broken Arrow, Firestorm, funny thing is, in some of the movies, you see a six foot one guy beating beating up Howie. We used to make so much fun of him like that. You had a six foot, yeah, come on, give me a break. So, that, but it was a lot of fun watching Howie um, go as far as he did and turn into the person that he turned into and what he does now. And you know, look at his kids, you know, um, and that is a true reflection of good parenting, um, you know, because there's a third one. Howie Jr. is now working for the Raiders. So you have Chris and Kyle. Now, Howie Jr. actually works for the Raiders, and he got the job before Mike Mayock is the general manager, who's another buddy and a good all of ours, um, who played at BC, was in that Boston College game. Yeah, yeah. Two to three. So, so but, you know, but uh, Howie Jr. is now working for the Raiders, and Michael's the GM. So it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, I think, and I give a lot of credit to Diane for, you know, make, you know, holding all that together and the plan. And she had a plan, which became their plan. And uh, how he's done well. We used to, I used to go out there, uh, bring some business people out to the green room and watch them, you know, film NFL. That was one of the business trip I, I do. And uh, bring, you know, guys like AT&T out there, head people at AT&T. We had a lot of fun. We sit there and go to dinner with Howie and everybody. And I, so I owe Howie a lot. I mean, it was it was tit for tat between Howie for each other, definitely. And you made great strides. I mean, business in your own right. Like we've, like Zach, you alluded to obviously earlier with with Hewitt Packard and and and, and you, I mean, like I said, there's, there's Comscope. I mean, I have like a whole list here. We have Comscope, Astrid, yeah. like I guess there's a. I could ask a million questions. My first one would be: Is it's not easy, right? I mean, it's you hear stories all the time, right? Someone's careers end. Their life's over at that point, right? Because yeah. they think that's all I have. You just kept going. Like your football grind just it didn't stop. I mean, just talk about, I guess, well, know, I, that grind and everything. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I got involved with Hewlett Packard and I was very lucky. I was I went into military sales at Hewlett Packard. And then one of the first jobs I did was the phased array radar system over at the RCA uh, facility, which was called the Corporal Cruiser. And I helped develop the Aegis warning system for the fleet. So I got a good reputation with within Hewlett Packard, and then they gave me this startup technology called wireless cell phone, uh, you know, cell phones. 
And next thing you know, I'm handling AT&T and I end up developing, help developing the very first base station, cell base station that was made. So you, you see, actually there was a commercial done where they did a commercial on this big old phone. I was actually there when, you know, when they were <laughs> no doing kidding. it. I was doing the testing. I was actually there on site when they actually did that. And uh, it was a lot of fun because I, you know, I get, you know, it's the right place at the right time. And then having the reputation, uh, Comscope, uh, company I ended up running, uh, it was a billion dollar company. I was like the number three man. I ran the division, started a whole new wireless division. They said they, they wanted, they went to AT&T and said, who do you, who, who would you get to run your, your sales force? And I said, you guys ought to go talk to this Driscoll guy. So they came, they brought me down next thing you know, I'm running. And, uh, I, I hired two times, two, two type of people. Well, one type of person could be male or female. I didn't care, but you had to be a college athlete and, or a military person to get an interview with me. And I, I ended up hiring three submariners right, out of the Navy. And all those guys were good. I ended up, uh, one of my one guys was a Villanova wide receiver, Josh Dolbin, who played with Finneran, who played with Matt Ryan. Yeah, 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 sure. Brian Finneran, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, Josh, I talked Josh out of not, you know, not going to the pros and say, look, I got a job for you right now. Because Josh had gotten married, you know, his senior year, and he had already had a kid. I said, you, 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 need, a, you need a good job. I got, I got to know Josh. I said, I got, I got a job for you. He ended up being – and then I hired a guy – the only, the only non-athlete submariners, I hired a guy right off the floor pushing a broom for sales, and he ended up being my best sales guy. He just wanted, he came up and asked me, I want to be in sales. I want, you know, boom, boom, I hear you're the guy. And I said, okay. I, I said, he was, will you please give me an interview? I gave him an interview. I liked him. Boom. He ended up being my best salesman. He used to, he was pushing the Houston, he was pushing the warehouse floor, cleaning the floor when he first started at Comscope. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of fun. You know, you look back on things now, and nice to give people opportunities, and uh, you know, life is being at the right place at the right time. So let me. I'm gonna sorry. I'm gonna spin this question because you you had something interesting in there where you said, and the military, I guess, is probably self-explanatory for for most of our audience. But you, when you said a college athlete, I guess, like I think we we know why the, 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 that answer is. But I guess what what about college sports and and everything helped like what was it about that that discipline made you want to have it in the candidate discipline i i wanted no i i want people who are going to play hard work hard and be be accountable one thing with football and you guys all know this you know football teaches you a lot of accountability if you don't pull your weight on the football field you don't play as long or you don't you're you're on the bench you know even at the young early age you know these kids so that's why I, you know, I, I came back and I started developing all these, you know, in my off time, developing um, Marsh Street Giggles, uh, the basketball program, because I wanted to see these kids get out there and play and have fun. And, um, you know, I was 30 years of being on the park and rec at Upper Euclid and developing all the, all the fields. Um, that was very important to me, um, mainly because my dad, way back when had been on the park and rec and developed all the stuff that we had the chance to, uh, when here at Tredifferent Conestoga. So, so I, I learned that from an early age and I wanted to be just like my dad. And so when I had my chance, took it and 
you know, it started with uh, GEYA, Lenmore Eagle, when you got, when uh, that was the first one, and then uh, Marsh Creek, and then the uh, basketball program, which was WSBL, which is now Dash, three, three, three iterations later. And, you know. I got the t-shirts in my closet right now, Dan. <laughs> it, it, it was fun. I mean, the, the fun thing about the basketball program, it was a pickup league. You didn't have teams coming, school teams coming in. We split the teams up evenly as much as we could, and the kids just went out and played and had fun. And the referees were the older high school kids refing the little kids. And how that league, how that league really got started well, was because we had some Rip Hamiltons back way back when who just got assigned to Connecticut. And I went to I went to Rip and a few of the high school kids. I said, guys, y'all, y'all have to play. Here's what I'm going to do for you. And I said, you will make money. I said, I'm going to give you, you know, you don't have to pay the $40. It was only $40 to have, a, <laughs> you know, now it's 240 bucks or whatever. That was only 40 bucks. It was a nonprofit. It was down in the middle of Kirk Park. We went in there and we redid all the, you know, all, all the uh, basketball courts, made them look nice. That very first year, kids came in, they had a great, you know, they had a great uh, experience. And the little kids were looking up to Rip Hamilton. They were, they were looking up to all these kids that were playing high school basketball. They were the guys reffing. And if you weren't reffing, you were, I had them as kids coaching little kids teams. And, you know, if they, that I would pay them pretty well to officiate and they would, they would also coach officiate. And that's how WSBL got started and which they, you know, to this day, you know, it's a, it's a very, very good basketball. Or, you know, dash and stuff like that. Oh, we, we all have we all have our dash stories. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my GYA hat's in the closet over here. I pulled out. Uh -huh. Yeah, G, well, GYA got started when um, LYA got too big, and all the people from the uh, the northern uh, Upper Euclid and Glenmore and everything like that, we all went down to register. And next thing you know, they they take our registration money. And they're kicking us out because they got too big, and they they, they had have um, they'd have they had to split, and they so they tossed. And but the thing is, they did it all wrong, and they pissed off a lot of people like myself. Who they, what they did is they took they took our registration money, and it took them a long time to give us our money back. So that's that that from right then and there, we within three months, we had to find ourselves fields. We had to develop a park and rec board and we went hook or crook to find fields to start our own, you know, the GEYA, the baseball, which was baseball first. Soccer didn't start later. So it was basically just baseball, you know, first the GEYA started. But that's how that's how I really got moving on being really part of, you know, starting things, you know, uh, being on the board, you know, doing, you know, getting the facilities around, getting on the because the five guys that started GEYA, we all got on the uh, Upper Euclid Park and Rec, and we started calling the shots and real quick. And uh, next thing you know, we because we had a lot of fields. Wagon Cell, we started Wagon Cellar. Then, uh, you know, the, the, the elementary school, we had those two fields up there. And then we had then we started with Hickory Park. So we did pretty good. Now, now Hickory Park's 100% baseball and fellowship fields are soccer and football and lacrosse. So I, I, I did always kind of like uh, the football field <laughs> in the outfield. It kind of made you feel like you're playing in Oakland. Well, that, you know, they, the, I built that press, that press box by myself. Yeah. 
actually with a guy named Tom Scully and I built that within one weekend. And so we had that big press box out there in the middle center field. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it worked. It worked. Oh, yeah. We stored everything. And then the funny, the funny thing about it, the whole, you know, for years they didn't allow lights. And you know, if you're going to if you're going to have a football program, we started Marsh Creek. I had, I had to get lights there because, you know, it got dark early. We, you know, mm-hmm. do. so they weren't going to allow me to have lights because of the neighbors, but they were going to allow me to do temporary lights. So I got those big. So I got them to agree to temporary lights. Yep. And this uh, basically is set up. It, it was me setting up getting real lights for fellowship, making sure they real lights. So I put these big light standards up. I didn't have one or two lights standards. I mean, we Marsh Creek exploded in growth, the number of kids who wanted to play. And we were unlimited waste, so everybody came and played. Uh, I put 20, 20 light standards up. <laughs> everybody was pissed, but I got them to agree that they had they were temporary lights. And yep. the only way to get out of this is if you give us real lights. And golly, uh, next thing you know, we're building up fellowship fields and we had the lights and that's how fellowship field had the four lights and football, uh, football and soccer went up there and Hickory became a uh, baseball, baseball, basketball, but they got and, their points. And Dan, let me ask you, so I'm looking at, so this is one of the cool parts about our show too. We have an interactive uh, chat where the audience can ask you questions and get involved sure. in the show too. And it's funny. Cause I feel like as we're looking, as we start walking into the kind of all your work with youth sports and the community, this is like almost an interesting way of like backing in with this question. So uh, we saw this is from Jay Clavins one on the chat, and and this is a this is a really good one. So everything you see with the youth, everything you see in college, and with your career in general, what is your whole take in, on college athletes getting paid, uh, seeking endorsements, merchandise sales, kind of that whole umbrella? What, what's your stance on that? I think I think college players ought to be play, paid, or some type of stipend. It's not fair for a college player to sit there and want to get a summer job and can't get a summer job because it's against NCAA regulations. Okay. Ridiculous. I mean, the NCAA, um, I'm surprised that they're still around it. You know, one of the, the big conferences just haven't taken them out saying, look, this is the way we're going to do it. think about it. They could, they could break away and have their own big power conference by themselves. The big uh, Southeastern conference, they could have done that years ago. And I'm oh, yeah. surprised it hasn't happened with all the rules, but, you know, because of the basketball situation, you know, um, they do have a few things right, like March Madness, and that's why it hasn't happened. But the NCAA needs to change their rules. They need to uh, take these, uh, let these players have a stipend, let them go home. You know what? Here's a plane ticket. Go home for Thanksgiving. You know, here, here, you know, they ought to have some perks that they don't have right now, other than a scholarship. So yeah, what it is, I don't know, but they need to have some type of stipend and be taken care of and allowed to have a summer job. But, but now they won't have a summer job. They need to be lifting, getting bigger, faster, and stronger. So yeah, they need to be, they need to be paid. Yes. Big yes. So, uh, so you talk about uh, kids and just athletes in, ge- in general, uh, becoming bigger, faster, stronger, especially with youth, with youth sports and concussions, CTE studies. How has that really affected uh, the youth football programs? Uh, it's affected. It's affecting the parents the most. You know, they don't want their kids playing. But um, you know, like I said, we uh, I guess three years ago might be the lowest point of uh, numbers. The numbers are starting to come back, and it's all because of what uh, 
some of the some of the parents will come back and say, okay, they're really starting to make football safer. And and they are. I mean, at Marsh Creek, we'd have we'd have you know 300 kids. We might have one concussion per year. So two things with the youth sports, with youth football. And I'll get back to mass times, you know, times acceleration equals force. They don't have a force to have serious injuries. Uh, it's like the little kids, especially eight, nine, it's like putting pillows on them and have them go out and knock each other around, you know, and, and now that the training has happened, we're teaching, we're teaching the rugby tackle from, from day one. We're teaching the kids not to lean with their heads. Now you start the new point rule versus the three point rule. So yes, the numbers are starting to come back a little bit. And one of the things over the last five years, I've noticed that our thing cheerleading has gotten serious business. Really? Year-round, yo, especially at Marsh Creek. Marsh Creek went down this past year and won the Nationals, and they had two teams that went down. One team won the Nationals. The other team placed third, I think. So <laughs> we had to fork out a, a lot of money, but we were happy to do it, to send those kids down to Nationals down in Orlando this year. And, you know, over the years, you know, so and and two years ago, we placed fourth in cheerleading and we had another team of football. So we actually have for the first time a football and a cheerleading program head down to Florida for the national, for national championships. That was two years ago. So that was big. So, so yeah, so cheerleading has gotten to be some serious business and they, these, the ladies that we have running our cheerleading program, Marsh Creek, you know, they're, they're taking this to a whole nother level. And, uh, it's gotten some serious business uh, year round now. Cheerleading is happening. Do I agree with it? Uh, I think if you, you know, if, if somebody wants to be a cheerleader and dance and get into these dance competitions that they do year round, then, then so be it. But I think, I think, uh, you know, if a girl wants to play lacrosse or basketball too, they should be able to play. So, and, yeah. Well, that's, that's feeding into high school too. Uh, <laughs> downtown East and West. And even Shanahan um, have fantastic cheerleading teams year in and year out. Um, so it's, it's these that, girls, these scholarships. Yeah. Yep. And most yep. of them, most of them are gymnasts. Yes. That's what that's what's happened. A lot of the girls that the youth are coming up, they're gymnastics and they do the cheerleading. So it's you see these girls doing these cartwheels and flips, and you say, "Holy cow!" <laughs> <I'm> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but it's getting some serious business between the. You know, football, I can almost say right now that, uh, you know, it used to be Marsh Creek was 100% football. We had some cheerleading. Now we're cheerleading with some football. <laughs> I, don't I, like, I don't know if I like that or not. <laughs> well, so, so let me let me ask that, Dan. So and it's funny because like everyone for most of most of our viewers are from from this area, but we do have a national presence. So for and it's funny because. I never played Marsh Creek. I was a CYO kid, but I just remember them being a powerhouse. Just like it, when I walked around the Exton Mall in the area, just Marsh Creek football. It, it was just like I said, the arm. So I guess kind of people we do, do market well in the area. Yeah. Marsh Creek, <laughs> Creek markets well. Oh, by the way, the big news is the downtown Young Whippets have joined Pop Warner. So we basically had to split the district up. So Marsh. Wow. Will be playing the downtown young. Oh, Whip there we go. It's like oh, east boy. west. The, the, the yeah, elementary. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Now quite, we're talking. Quite. We had the we had we had some negotiations there, but uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be good for both programs. Uh, well, that's it. Before you know, I, 
Also, before I ask you about the inception of Marsh Creek, I'm looking to, and I know we talked very briefly about this a little bit, right? Was we kind of jumped on the air. Um, Braxari 70 or 74 has a good question. Just ask you a little bit more about any word from Pop Warner regarding the 2020 season, especially with everything with COVID-19 and, and kind of everything we talked a little bit before we jumped on the show. Who knows? Um, we're in the midst of a pandemic. How long is this pandemic going to last? How long are we all going to be sitting here doing the Zoom? online stuff i have a funny feeling i have a funny feeling it's going to take us right into august and there might not be if if i i could possibly see a shortened youth football season this year maybe a month just to get the kids out there if if things do clean up and it's going to come down to if this vaccine comes around you know because we do, last thing we want and we're going to get into politics here now last thing we want is having a second wave of this stuff happening. How many, how many deaths do we have right now? 20, 25,000 people in the United States have died. You know what? Yeah. It, it's too much. One, one's too many. One is too many. But the fact is we all got to, we all got to play the part, do the right thing. And this year we might not have pop winter football. Um, it'd be sad, but so be it. We might not have high school football. Mm-hmm. College, you have to be seen. Now you get into big money. You know, you start talking about the NCAA, and you know what the NCAA going to look like. So right now, I can't put a thumb on it. I had to be a betting man right now. I, I think maybe there's not going to be youth football this year. And, and so, and to I guess to backtrack, this is actually a perfect way to kind of segue into the next question. So. You know, you started Marsh Creek football, which, like I said, it's been around since. I mean, I'm 28 and, and like 25 years. You yeah, exactly. I was say, <laughs> so it's been around. So, do you mind just taking what what helped you create that and just talk about the success of everything from this youth program that you've developed? Well, I my son played at a other program. Will be named nameless. And for those who know anything about my son DJ, DJ was a phenomenal athlete. Always was. Uh, one of the fastest kids you ever want to see run anywhere. And he, you know, and uh, we had some issues down there and uh, at this other program. And I got into it with the uh, president. And he told me if he didn't, if I didn't like what I was hearing, go start your own program. And to me, he said that to the wrong person. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Got it. <laughs> so, you know what? And that's how Marsh Creek was born. Um, you know, people overheard our conversation. And he said, are you serious about what you said? I said, yeah, I'm going to be making phone calls here tomorrow. And next thing you know, I'm getting phone calls from a lot of people saying, we're behind you. I'm in. I'm, I want to help. And Marsh Creek was born. I went and found Hickory Park, got the park and rec. I'm sure we had a, you know, well, actually, I'd been on the park and rec with GEYA. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we had a field. And that's when I went and built that monstrosity of a press box out in the field of a baseball field. And we played out there for years before we had the fellowship fields. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much how Marsh Creek started uh, on the sidelines of another program and everybody overhearing. A, it wasn't a heated discussion, but, you know, it, it uh, passionate one. It, it definitely had, <laughs> it had, it had two, two, uh, Two distinct attitudes going at each other. <laughs> and I mean, look at some of the players you've, you've helped produce too. And, and the role that you individually have had 
um, Matt Ryan, right, came came through Marsh Creek. Yeah, Matty was one of my favorites. Uh, you know, back then we we'd have we didn't have pop we weren't a pop Warner, but we were a program, so we'd take the best kids from the whole area and go down to Florida. We'd play the Little Quakers and stuff. And Matty was my first quarterback. Uh, you know, up, up here you know, that that went to that travel team. We had so much fun. When I'm telling you, uh, Matty, you know, you know, you, you get Matty, you get Kyle Willetta. You know, we've had some really good quarterbacks. Now we got Will Howard coming out. I expect real yep. big. Well, I equate Will Howard to the football IQ of Matt Ryan. Really? Wow. Yes. He's good. He is good. He's such a great, great family, just like the Ryan family, almost mirror image of Matty Ryan, but, you know, Will's a lot thicker. Matty was tall and thin, you know, and he still is, and he shouldn't be out there trying to tackle people when he, somebody intercepts <laughs> the ball on him, just run the other way. But Will Howard has some beef to him, and his IQ's there, his arm is there. I'm really excited see what Matty Matt, uh, or Will does here with Kansas State. You know, going forward, it's going to be fun to watch what Dutch. Uh, not just that. I, I get, you know, I get, I get, you know, hey, coach, you know, come, come see me play in college. You know, so, so I get these, but I'll try to make it to a game if I can. You know, the kids, whether they're playing Division two, Division three, you know, they all, you know, it's nice to see these kids go on and have fun in college, whether it's football a sport lacrosse as in you know my son dj decides to go play lacrosse, so you know and that's a whole nother avenue he would go 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 to but you know it, it's so important and i feel so good when somebody calls me up hey you know will you come to my i got this game it's my last game you know will you will you be there but, you know charlie i can't most of the time i i will get there i'll make well, that just says how how much your program, how great it is, and how it's it's more than just playing football. You know, from a relationship perspective, and well, it's the people behind the scenes. Yep. Um, you know, when I did develop Marsh Creek, I, I I went and got ten board members, and those board members have a two year stint, and five go off on, five go off, five come on every year. So if you're not a good board member. You're not going to make it the second year. You're not going to get revoted in, just, you know, the two years. So it's an ongoing thing. And I stick around. I make ninety percent of the meetings, and and I'm just there, just you know, to be the godfather, so to speak. And if somebody comes up with an idea that's been tried before, I remind them, hey, we tried that. It didn't work, or <laughs> differently. But it's that board that's running Marsh Creek now, and I've stepped back and. You know, I still go to the meetings and I, I put my two cents in, but they, you know, hey, they, they make all the decisions and there's great people there. Now we have uh, guys like Dave Dunn, you know, coming up, uh, who's, who's a great, great guy. Uh, Mike Feeney, uh, you know, is the new president. And there's just a lot of good people behind the scenes at Marshall. You know, and he's actually involved with the chat right now. One of his questions was wondering if uh, if they could move the NCAA and pro football, you know, the schedule to the springtime. Uh, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> hey, who makes the money in the NCAA? You know, then you, you, the only thing you have to figure out, uh, March, you know, you move March Madness up so you can start a spring football, mm. right? 
You do not want a football season and March Madness happening in the same same month. So you would want to say, okay, we're going to do that. Let's start basketball a little bit early. You could have you could have baseball in the fall with no fans. Yep. So okay, let me pitch this. I, I, you know what? All this all this stuff's probably going to happen. Yeah. And we're going to go, you know what? Those four guys were discussing exactly what happened. You know <laughs> earlier. We're going to well, reverse seasons around with sports, you know. But here's my hey, question, Mark. You know I didn't even think about it, but you know, Feeney's a smart guy, so you know, <laughs> you, you know credit to him. Yeah. But when I guess my question mark would be Dan. So if you push, like, let's say we do that, you kind of almost flip. You're like nocturnal in the sports world, if you will, right? So we do. We yeah. basically put football in the spring. What about that question mark? And I know you're essentially 25 percent of the of the class will turn over with graduation and new class. Right. But what about the the concerned fan, right? That says, well, that's just too that's too much time, right? Like if they end in you know May or something like that or March, that's too much well, time it's, or not enough time. It would, to hey, say it would have to be. It would have to be abbreviated situation i think you know it, they wouldn't wouldn't do 11 games let's say it's college you wouldn't do maybe you do eight maybe you do eight games and then get right into the best four you know they're going to want to make their money so where do they make their money they make their money in those playoffs you know they maybe you go okay we're going to invite eight teams to this playoff system and that's where yeah. they'll make their money back okay and then hey do, do the fans get invited do, do we are we all in the all clear? Are they going to allow fans in? You know, how, how do you sit next to a, you know, you go to sit next to the guy and next thing the guy starts coughing and sneezing. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. And something that's been talked about uh, between us is even when they allow fans back to stadiums, are people going to be weary of going back um, and standing as close as you are? Like you go to a Sixers game or a Flyers game, yep. you are right up on somebody on both sides. Well, there are a lot of uh, D3 and DT, uh, D2 schools talking about dropping athletic programs for a few years. Right now, they're talking about it. I know that for a fact. Um, and it's going to hurt my business, you know, building out turf fields, which is what I do now. And, you know, so, yeah, there's, there's a trickle-down effect on everything. And, and who knows? But I kind of like the idea of that spring. You know, just like it doesn't affect March. My favorite time of year is March Madness because, you know, I, we did discuss this. You know, I was a div, Division One basketball official, and I was a damn good official, by the way. <laughs> Never blew a call. Wait, so this is a, per, this is a perfect tee right now because that's, that's one of the questions I still want to ask you. So, yeah, right, you have a, a hell of a career, hell of a resume in the business world after football. You had a shot to, to ref in the NBA, right? Yeah, I actually went out when they went from uh, two-man uh, two to three-man. They were looking for athletic guys, big guys who could handle a game. And I got invited out to uh, the camps, and I did. I did, but it was an offer. I, I, I hear I had a big-time job. A lot of the guys who were out there were athletic directors, were coaches, you know, that type of thing here was a businessman. I had a good career and I countered them. And as soon as I countered them, they told me to hit the road and they were offering me a one-year contract, um, half CBA, remember the old CBA basketball and then NBA. And I said, no, I want a three-year contract and I want to go 100% into the NBA if you want me. And he said, no, you got other people. 
So, but I was willing to do it. They were going to give me a three-year contract and they, they did that's, not do that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I countered them. They said, get out of here. It's <laughs> <laughs> their way or the highway, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, you didn't negotiate with the NBA, you know, but then again, you know, when, uh, when you have a good job and you're making, you know, some, you know, decent money, stuff like that, it's, you know, and, and I, I had other things of interest, like my, all the sport programs that I was doing. So, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I missed it. So I just stayed and, you know, I kept doing high school and college. It was fun. Well, to, so to get back to the youth sport. So it's funny. There's one story that I can't believe it's taken us over an hour to get to, but there's one okay. question too. I want to look at just in the, are you, I think I know what you're getting at Zach real quick. Let me get one more question too in the chat. Um, this is a great one too. So it's, it's also from uh, the boy, Mr. Feeney as well. So it's, this is a good one. I like it. So what can kids do right now, Dan, to stay I in think, shape? I think Feeney has a crush on me. What are you talking <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you, what, what can kids do right now to stay in shape and prepare like the seasons going on while they practice their social distancing? Uh, do some online workouts. Um, ruin the house. Um Parents need to do a padded room or something with them and throw weights down. I mean, you know, first of all, it depends how old the young man or his daughter is, you know, and then uh, I think the biggest thing would be for the parents to get outside when they do their walks and stuff like that, to get involved, hiking, biking is basically what you can do. Uh, you know, stay in the course and not going out unless you have to go out. But when you do go out, you know, you're biking, you know, make sure you're not the you know, six feet or you know, take the kids out you know, for their, for their bikes and maybe do the obstacle course or something like that, you know, where they're, Hey, hundred push-ups right now, you know, that type of thing. and do yeah. it with them, you know, have the parent, you know, do, do the, you know, get the parents to stay in shape and do, do the program, start your own program with your kids a workout program, whether it's uh, Hey, we're going to do a hundred pushups every night, uh, one night, and we're going to do this the next night. And then we're going to, we're going to go for runs, you know, and that's the only thing you can do. Right now, other than, you know, you know, drive, drive everybody crazy, um, play board games instead of doing the video games, go play Monopoly, um, you know, teach your kids how to play gin rummy, um, you know, you know, backgammon, those the good, the good, remember the good old games. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are read a book, <laughs> read a book. Yeah. 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 Read a book. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Walk, hike, bike, read a book. There you go. So a lot of that kind of stems from, you know, different parenting styles and kind of holding parents accountable throughout your years with, with youth football. Um, how is kind of the generational, the generations of parents that you've oh, yeah. changed? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it, it varies from year to year. You know, <laughs> I used to have my team meeting with the parents. I could tell you from that team meeting how good my football team was going to be that year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the parents were asking, is my little Johnny going to play quarterback or is he going to do this and he's going to do that? You know, then I said, oh boy, here we go. You know, or if I get the, I get the, the parent meeting where there's no questions and I know some of these parents are eager to just watch their kids play. And I could tell, you know, those, 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 uh, those parent meetings, I said, this is going to be a good team. And that's when the parents and the kids, you know, our, our, our kids are emulating their parents, but, you know, so I could t each year it's different from year to year. And, but 
overall, I will say that the helicopter stuff kind of got pretty, pretty large, large, large helicopters overall. But, you know, there's always, there's always a good, if you get yourself a good team mom, you know, and, 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 and manage the parents, that goes a long way. And I've had some, I've had some really good team moms, um, some funny ones. <laughs> so do you have like an interview process to determine the, the team moms or how's that? Oh, work? no, I, I <laughs> you pretty much know from year to year, which ones are the moms that you want, you know, coming up from the younger ones. And you, I always watch the younger teams and I watch the younger parents. And I always have one, I, I always will go, you know, knock, knock, knock. Oh yeah, you have to be. You have to be. All right, I'll let your kid be the quarterback. <laughs> it's more than X's and O's. Sometimes bribery does work. Well, I'll tell you, you put this on a tee for me here, Dan. So it's funny. It's most of the time that's right. The parents convincing you that their kids should be playing. You had to convince someone to keep playing, uh, and ironically enough, they were the quarterback. And this is yep. this, this story blows my mind. So you got. I'm just going to hype it up like that and put it for, and turn it over to you to, to, to tell the audience. Well, we're talking about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was at another program. He was playing guard and tight end and, you know, not, you know, not touching the ball or anything like that. And, and I got to know Matt through watching him play basketball and he was a hell of an athlete, you know, just pure IQ, sports IQ, no matter what. So I got talking to, to Matt and his dad go uh, Matt was going to be a baseball player. he wanted to be a baseball player and he wanted to stop playing football and I asked him I said hey you know Marsh Creek we just started I would love for you to come up and be the quarterback um, for one of our teams and here the funny part of this story was the uh, the other quarterback well we had two teams that year the other quarterback was uh, Dave Moore Dave Moore ended up being the Malvern quarterback, and Dave was one of my best friends, and he was big into uh, helping out Marsh Creek. So I had to go tell Dave that I just committed to Matty Ryan coming up, and Dave was going to be a quarterback of that team, and Matt was going to be the quarterback of my team. But what happened that year is we were up in the Burst County League, and both teams, one team, we split the teams up evenly, and one team was 7-1, and one, Marsh Creek, and my team was 8-0. and and both teams met for the championship. You don't think that pissed the leg off when both Marsh Creek teams were in? The <laughs> <laughs> and and sure enough, it was uh, Dave Moore against Matty Ryan. Uh, Marsh Creek Blue against Marsh Creek White. It was a great game. Game, but but Matty uh, went on to you know, go to Penn Charter. Uh, you know, commute all the way from Exton to Penn Charter um, because. They, they guaranteed that he'd run an eye formation. You know, he, he wouldn't have to run the win, the Malvern wing tee. He, <laughs> he wasn't wow. going to go to Malvern. Well, and and Matt's older brother was Malvern quarterback, Mots. John Ryan, right? Mike. Or yeah, John was the younger brother, right? John is the younger one. John okay. went to, John was the younger one. He went to Brown, played college football. But Mike went to Widener, was the Malvern wing tee quarterback because he was a perfect wing tee quarterback. He wasn't a pure, uh, a pure drop back passer like Matty was, <laughs> and so basically that's why Matt went to Penn Charter. In a nutshell, because he wasn't going to be a wing tee quarterback, he was going. To, he wanted to be a, 
thing. And so he commuted and it was the best thing for him because he got seen as a drop back and went to uh, end up going to Boston College. And but each year, you know, when Penn Charter played Malvern, there was a little added, you know, a lot of the Marsh Creek kids were Malvern kids, namely my son. And, you know, it was a bittersweet because I would love to have seen in high school Maddie throwing the DJ. DJ was a receiver all day long. It would have been great. It would have been fantastic. So, but, you know, Dave Moore did a great job at Malvern Pro. So, you know, it worked out. Oh, Jack, you got something? No, I was going to say, your your eye for talent is uh, pristine. So how did you <laughs> how did you get this this eye for identifying all this talent? It's such a young I, can, I, can, I can actually watch a kid walk. Mm-hmm. Just walk. I can just watch him walk, and I can tell you if he's an athlete or not. Wow. And I, 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 and I do that. When I when I do my first practice for the kids, uh, I, I just send them out there. All right, go play seven on seven. Split up, and I, I will watch who takes control of the games. Who splits the teams up? You know, I watch each kid, and I develop a, from that point – I have a plan for each kid on the team just by watching that very first day of practice where they split up and we just sit back and watch. We sit back and just play seven on seven football, how they, you know, who subs in, who sits on the sideline and who our leaders are. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I, I learned that trick a long time ago and it works. And it works just by, and I can tell, I can tell you the kid walking up and just watching him for five minutes, whether he's going to be a player or not. Yeah, they show themselves. So yep. Yep. Absolutely. And of course, you know, you, you see them from watching other sports, you know, baseball, basketball, and now lacrosse. You know, lacrosse and football is such a natural, you know, one two, you know, spring fall situation. Um, I just love the sport of lacrosse. It's, it's phenomenal. And I'll tell you, let me ask you this, and so it, it's funny because I'm looking at the chat and it's kind of one of the talking points, obviously we wanted to get at to tonight is just the, the health and the future of youth sports in general. But, and I think this is a very, obviously a very popular question just in general. It's one on our chat right now. I'm looking at, um, so let me ask you is youth football and it's survival, right? There's the, 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 the CTE, the, the head injuries, you have parents saying, I don't want my kids playing until, until high school, past high school. Right. So I want your whole take on obviously Obviously, it's a big impact in just the community and everything you've been doing. Um, I don't think there's any issue with a young man wanting to play football at age seven. I'll tell you that right now. With all the training that's being done, with all the new safety stuff that's being done, I think the, the young man, your son, and or daughter, my daughter played, my daughter, and she was good. Um We've had maybe four girls. She was the first girl at Marsh Creek playing, and she was good. And uh, you know what? Football teaches life lessons like no other sport. And if you hold back on that, that your kid wants to play, and you hold back, you're doing him an injustice. I think it's far outweighs this possibility of your son getting hurt. Now, with the training and stuff like that, yeah, high school football, you know, you can see some injuries because – now are getting bigger, faster, stronger too. Not like it was, you know, way back when when you had a 180 pound lineman. The linemen now are 250 pounds solid muscle, you know, that have been training for two years that are now, you know, playing high school football. So yeah, you have to you have to really there is going to be some injuries, no doubt about it. Um, there is going to be concussions. We just have to keep an eye on it 
and just keep training them because uh, these because football, the life lessons and what you get out of being on a football team far outweighs the possibility of you getting a dinger. You know, here we go. We call, I'm calling it a dinger, a concussion, or, or, or you know, or number. But if you do have a few of them, then you know what? You might have to hang it up. But you know what? I'm gonna, you know, I might, my kids played, my daughter played, nothing wrong with it. Um, and now, like hey, I said, I played. I come right there with you, Dan. Hey, I can high five well, you. <laughs> but here's, but here's the here's the give and take. Um, back in the day, like even ten years ago, we don't really know too much about concussions, so you kind of just didn't even really know if you had one. At this point, the second you have a concussion, you know doctors are in your ear telling you not to go on your phone, not to watch TV, all that kind of stuff. So doing the baseline we, testing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so. so we, Absolutely. So kids, so there's more reports of concussions because there's more testing. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Then I, I, I could go back on my hand. I say there was times where I had uh, a pretty good concussion. And most of those, one was in high school. And the rest was in college. Yeah. It's more yeah. like the awareness is, is higher now than the actual occurrence, you know? Yes. And, the te- and you know, like the testing. Testing, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, just like what's going on now with the pandemic. As soon as they get the more tests out, more people are going to have it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's the testing. So the numbers, yeah, the numbers are going to be skewed. And they're going to be up because we're going to, we're going to get this testing out. And that's going to be so important. Everybody's going to find out who has it or who doesn't have it. And yeah, the numbers are going to go up, but hopefully the fatalities will stay low and we can get through all this. Yeah. And Dan, let me ask you this. So, and let's kind of back it and kind of make it a bigger picture. Now we talked about this last week when we met youth sports in general, the landscape is completely shifting and right. And I'll even just kind of draw an example, right? You say the local league, right? Where the kid can play is summer league basketball, right? With all of his friends or home gone are those days, right? Because now, even if you're in eighth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade, right? You have to join the team, the high school team. It's almost like networking. One of my, exactly. One of my pet peeves is when a, Youth, AAU, we'll call it AAU, or travel team coach comes up to a young man, says, hey, you, you got to play. I can get you to college. Um, you know, I, I, will, I will make sure you, you come play for me, you'll get to college, uh, especially in a, uh, a non-revenue generated sport in college like lacrosse, soccer. Well, guess what? What they don't tell you is there's 40 players on a college team and you give out 12 scholarships, 12.6, non-revenue, check it out, NCAA, you're non-revenue generating, which is basketball or football, lacrosse, baseball, soccer, 12.6, unless, you know, especially for the guys. Now, girls with with the top nine, you know, now you have a girl growing team. Now you have this because they got to make up all the numbers for, you know, the the football players. So, but it goes still, still with the girls. It's going to be 12.6 on a 40 man roster, you know? So are you going to get that scholarship? That's, I, I tell you what, it's tougher than you think. And you have these coming in saying, you know, give me $3,000, play on my travel team and I'm going to get you to college. Well, guess what? He's full. And I, that is my biggest pet peeve with some of these guys going out and saying that to a player, especially when you want to make them year round. Oh, Give me three thousand dollars now. Then in the fall, in your off season, 
we'll play this other sport and give me another $3,000. I'm going to get you there. Well, and then the college coaches, they want to see multi-sport athletes. Yep. They want to see, they want to see somebody who's well-rounded. They'll teach you how to play lacrosse or soccer. Baseball is a different story. You know, you have, you got to have that eye hand coordination, be a baseball player, but still it's the same thing. There's 12.6 scholarships for, you know, 20, 30, 30 kids on a team. So go do the math. It doesn't work out. Now I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. kind of come to you. So let's say, right. You're, you're my youth coach. You say, Kieran, why aren't you coming out to the squad this year? You're going in ninth grade, right? I say, coach, it's nothing personal. I just know I'm not going to make the team if I don't play on this team. Right. Like there's that, that pressure, I guess, right. Of that, that feeling. And I hate it too. Cause I'm with, I mean, the, yep. the commonality, right. You touched our childhood in ways we didn't realize, right. Dan, I mean, we all play these different leagues that you help form. So, and you're right. It's, it's a dying breed. And it's, I mean, right. Zach and I can Chad, we can all talk. Chad's dad was my quarterback's coach in middle school playing CYO, right? Like, I mean, we still talk about those games and it's, it's, it's not everything is about having to make like, right. It's, it's that balance. Right. Yeah. I want to say here, you got, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I tell people, I tell people, I say, look, I said, uh, the most fun thing you could have is for your son to go to college and be and play a sport in college, whether it's division three, two, and one, and you you be as a parent are involved going to those games and having a blast. You ask any college coach, they're going to come up and say, "I want a multi a multi uh, faceted athlete." All right, and they tell these kids this too. I mean, but the thing is, you get these people coming in doing what they're doing to that young man, like you just said. You know, and they, and uh, I, I can't tell you it's it's my biggest pet peeve in youth, youth sports when that when I see that happen and they just don't get it. Kids should be playing at least two sports. You know, college. You know, lacrosse and football is good. Baseball, soccer. You know, did I just say soccer? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I just said soccer. I can't believe it. But, but anyway, but uh, you know, so. But, you know, multi-sport athletes, it's, all, it's what it's all about. Any of you parents are out there listening, make sure you can play multi-sport athletes. They'll do better and they'll get farther. That's all I, that's yeah. all I can say. That's all I can tell. Yeah, just from an athletic perspective, hand-eye coordination perspective, discipline perspective, absolutely. Yeah. Well, even, Dan, I, my question is, too, I, it's why I actually did an article about this um, a few years ago back when I was writing for the Daily Local News, and – one thing I thought that was so important about the three sport athlete genre, basically in general, is you can be a leader on one team, the captain of the, the baseball team, right? But then, or, and you're right, or let's, and then maybe you're just a follower on the cross country team in the fall, just, you know, but yeah. right, like you learn things being in different roles on different teams. Yeah, it's called being a role player. Absolutely. And in and business in the future, you know what? And guess what? In college, you're probably going to be a role player in college. You know, you go from high school being the, the star, you get to college, you know, you're the, you're the, you're, you know, you're going from a big fish in a little pond to, a, you know, being a little fish in a big pond, you're going to be a role player. I don't, you know, unless you're an anomaly of an athlete first year, especially, and that's a lot, a lot, a lot of kids will quit after the first year in college, freshman year. So oh, I'm not going to play. But, uh, and, and that goes apart. If you're a three-sport athlete and you get to learn how to be a role player in those other sports, you might be great at basketball, but, you know, football, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, a defensive back, you know, that type of thing. But I'm, 
I know how to shoot. I can shoot a basket. So I'm going to be the man on the basketball team or baseball. I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, I can, I can hit a baseball. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's all about learning how to be a role player. Checks your ego and allows you to be a better teammate. And that's yep. to me is more important. Yep. So. And let me ask you this. So in this sport, this, this whole sports world, it's touched your, your kids in, in, in such a special light too, right? DJ wins a, is a gold medalist in the lax, uh, you know, world games in what, 2010, I believe it was. And, yeah. and your daughter Lauren is, is the head of the intervention and trauma center at Penn. I mean, they, well, she was. She's, out, she's out in Portland now at Manuel running the tech, you know, running all the techs in a trauma center. So yeah, she's, she's my rock star. And, uh, you know, and, and DJ, DJ since retired, I, 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 oh yeah, I do have a son. No, no, <laughs> no, DJ had a great career. It was so much fun uh, as a family, you know, uh, going to his games, you know, you know, Lauren, cause you know, we all pack up and go away for weekends. We had family trips all the time. You know, we had the RV. We had such, we had such a blast. Uh, you know, and, and even though Lauren wasn't playing that then, but she was, you know, a bigger part of the, you know, she was just a big part of family as DJ Washington. We just had a blast. She had a blast. We all had a blast just doing that. And that's why I tell people, I said, you know, there's nothing better than teaching your, your kid going and playing a college sport and learning to be a good person and, and get it. But yeah, so, you know, kids are fun. And I, you know, I did it. I, I, I did it. self. I started all this stuff selfishly, you know, for my kids, but you know, what? I, I, I quickly morphed into doing it for all the kids real quick. And every day was a rewarding day. You know, when I went out there and, you know, just watched all the kids, you know, just having fun. And that was the key. Just go have fun. I hated to see a some kid being a dejected kid because a parent or coach was yelling at him. Um, I I never yelled mean things at a player. I was loud, but I never I never nailed a person. I never nailed a kid unless he really, really, really deserved it. <laughs> Maybe once. <laughs> but most of the time, I had the parents come up and say, "You know what? You did just a great thing for my son." You know, it was always well appreciated. So I always, you know, that, that, that's more than anything. When, you know, 20 years later, I get, you know, if somebody sees me at the bar and next thing you know, they're buying me dinner. You know, and you remember all the things you did for us, you know, and that's, that's huge. That's huge. And then you don't have to do that. I'm not telling everybody out there, go buy me a beer. <laughs> I hope that, I hope that happens pretty soon. But uh, we can all be out there doing that. The opportunity, too. <laughs> And Dan, as we wrap up, also let me ask you. I'll kind of with a with a parting question. I ask you, like, so right. I mean, it's it's the cheesy one, but yeah, you touch so many. I mean, I'm not kidding, you, Dan. Like, I, we've done lots of interviews, even when I was in college, just doing interviews, whether you know different different folks. I've never done homework on someone for an interview before and realized how much they touched my own life without me realizing it. Just the, the I mean, right? You know, the, the amount of six degrees of separation we talked about before we even jumped on the air. It's 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 incredible. So just to and you talked about it a little bit already, but like, just what is it like to, to wake up every morning and know you've affected that many lives in a positive light? Um, it keeps me going. Um, you know, I've, I've since I stepped down as a coach at Marsh Creek, but I'm always going to be there. Um, I love now, like now I get, I'll, I'll go to games and watch games. Um, you know, it's just time for me to fade away into the sunset, so to speak, but I'm always going to be around. And, you know, it's funny because now we're getting second generation 
kids that have been through my programs coming back and they're they're in the Marsh Creek programs they're in this and you know and and guess what parents that you want around because they've been through their old school you know the old the old school and they know the deal they know the they know the routine um, you know and you get people like you know the Feenies, uh, the Duns um, it's so important and you see their kids I mean you know, come up and it's just like, you, know, you just want to go and just watch them play. You know, it's, it's so much fun. And then, uh, you know, I get invited to a lot of places, you know, like, Hey, you know, you know, I, I will say this June is a very expensive month for me, you know, because, Oh, coach Driscoll, you're going to come to my graduation party. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, I always make sure I have plenty of cash sitting in my pocket come June. Buck say, Hey, here you go. I'll be there. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, so yeah, so, um, it's always nice. I'll be someplace and, you know, somebody comes up and say, Hey, I remember this and you do this, and, you know, you really made a difference in my, 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 my daughter's, my, my daughter's career, my son's career. And it means a lot and, you know, and, and, uh, and it always will, it always will. Um, my, I'm a better person for it. These kids have made me better and, uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's real good. I've had, I've had a good life and doing things for other people. And I think when, when people, the, I can't tell, say enough, you do things for other people, it comes back tenfold. Well, Tim, we can't thank you enough for just coming on our show. I mean, we're just a couple guys just trying to start a podcast up here and, you know, just to, to well, take, good luck. You know, I like what you're doing. And you know what, this is a, this is a great opportunity for you guys to, you know, to really show your stuff, you know, with everything going on, people are looking to be looking for avenues and I hope, uh, you know, I sent an email out saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be on this thing. And I, so I hope a lot of people, you know, start texting in for you guys. And I'll, I'll oh, it's been great. I'll be I'll definitely. So Tuesday nights. Yes. Yeah, so, nights so I'll tell you, I'll pull up the schedule. So we actually so real quick, anyone that's that's new or any of our new uh, viewers tonight. So you can give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at underscore get sidetracked. And that's also for Twitter as well. Um, and yeah, so actually, Dan, so we're on Mondays, Tuesdays. This is our quarantine schedule right now. Okay. So it's Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at seven, and then Saturdays at two. All right. So basically, and, all right. Here's my question: How do you sure. with get sidetracked? Ooh, well, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, sports guys. Yeah, the three of us, and you know, we're we're sitting in our uh, our desk jobs or whatever job, and uh, we're we're texting, just getting getting sidetracked, you know, in the middle okay. of the day. So, I got it. You know, talking sports, it. yeah. And I got to give my dad shout out to him for, for suggesting the actual name. Cause we were kind of going in circles with, okay, well we, you know, we, we like to talk about sports all the time while we're out of real jobs and stuff. And it just kind of, <laughs> kind of came up like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I was so happy that you invited me on and uh, you know, it's uh, you guys, I wish you guys all the best. Oh, Dan, you've been the best on this. This has been great. Yeah, and you yeah. know, you have a house, you have a seat in the living room anytime when you want to join us. I invite me over, you know, anytime you want. Oh, that's it. The next time, or, or you, get, you know what? If you get any of my old players on, I'll I'll come on. I'll tell, I'll tell some yeah. stories. You know, that's when I'll really get in there and tell you personal stories about each one of the guys. You get. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now <laughs> we're talking. I remember you were crying. <laughs> awesome awesome well dan All thanks right. so much for jumping on with us and, and like i said for everyone that's viewing us tonight we, we really appreciate the comments um like i said we won't be on the air tomorrow but catch us again on thursday and zach you got a fun interview talk about you know sewing the pros and 
some exciting stuff. So I'll, I'll give that to the audience real quick. Yeah, Thursday night, we got a, a friend of mine, Mitch Hillert. He uh, p- pitches for the Ireland national baseball team and also plays professionally in Germany. So okay. we'll, we'll tune in with him and see what's going on in the international baseball world and uh, especially with the pandemic. And yeah, it will be a good show. Good luck, you guys. Yeah, thank oh, you, Dan. We appreciate it. Thanks for having and, me on. Absolutely. Right. That's a, I'll give you one last question before you okay, go. go right, Anyone go in the NFL draft pool from your Marsh Creek, anybody that you're, you're looking out for uh, nine days from now? Not this year. I don't think uh, – I'm trying to think what seniors we have coming out. But um, three – no, not this year. But I will say give me three years and let's see what Will Howard does. Okay? Cool, cool. Perfect. I love it. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, thank everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see everyone on Thursday. Yeah. Thanks, Dan.